Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Nine podcast. We are back after a week off, which uh, is totally my fault. I was uh, moving house and Andrea, you've been patiently waiting to talk about music on a podcast since, I'm sure. How have you been? I've been here all week. I've been <laughs> sitting in this sitting at chair Skype. for two weeks. Yeah. Um, I've been good. Yes. Um, summer has summed and it's very beautiful out. Um, yeah, it's good. It reading, is nice. Reading a lot. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Uh, I haven't fine. had much time for listening or reading or anything this week because I literally, I realized when I texted you last Wednesday, I was like, oh, I have to move house this week and I don't think I'm going to have time to do anything. And I literally didn't have any time to do any music or work stuff till yesterday. That is uh, Wednesday. Um, that was my first full day. I took a, I took me a full week to move house. So there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, people it, think it can be done in a day and it, it really can't. Like, because you have to clean all the stuff and you have to move the stuff and even moving the stuff can take longer than a day. I know you didn't have like very, very far to go, but like it's still yeah. pretty time consuming. So I definitely moved within my two kilometer radius and I'm back. Strangely enough, I'm back beside a house I used to live in. Um, which is kind of weird. So I'm I'm back on my old street. Um, so it's very strange, um, uh-huh. but kind of nice now. Um, I mean, I've only been here two days, but uh, it's a weird, weird situation to be in, in a way. Um, you know, I, mm. I, I moved down the road and now I'm moving back pretty much the same, like the exact same street next door to where I used to live. Um, but anyway, so that's what's been happening with me. But uh, on the show this week, we're going to be talking about um, a new album from Happiness uh, called Flatter. Uh, and also we'll be kind of talking a bit about the music of Kraftwerk because Florian Schneider sadly passed away yesterday of cancer at the age of 73. And um wanted to take the opportunity to kind of delve into their back catalogue and talk about why Kraftwerk are so great. Like I said uh, yesterday when we put up the, the news about it, like literally the reason that 909 existed is because Kraftwerk 
uh, I went to see a gig of theirs at Electric Picnic and it just affected me pretty profound, profoundly. So that is why I started writing about music on the website. So it has a particular personal significance to me and also like the little management company, artist management company is called Minimum Maximum, named after the album that they released around that time. And um, they've just always been a huge influence on what I what I love and what I do and I love everything about them. So we will talk about that. Um, and we also have some songs from The Fontaines have a new album. And they released their first track, so we'll be talking about that. And uh, mm-hmm. a potential song of the summer, perhaps, from Doja Cat uh, and new music from James Blake as well. In the meantime, though, uh, checking in on the festival stuff that we've been talking about recently. Um, so, look, we know there's no, there's pretty much, I can't imagine any festivals happening as we've been talking about the last few weeks. Is there any festivals going to happen in this summer? It seems unlikely. If anyone was deluding themselves that that electric picnic might happen because it comes after the dates that uh, the government have sanctioned as the dates that you can potentially do something. Well, look, the truth is that electric picnic, as far as I know, the promoters have actually been um, working behind the scenes to get a lot of the headliners from this year working over into next year so that it can happen in 2021. It is expected that electric picnic will announce that it will be postponed very soon. I don't know what the delay is or why they're waiting so long, but that seems to be happening. And in line with all of that, Rage Against the Machine were actually the first band on the, on the of the headliners to announce that they're not going to be playing festivals or gigs this summer. Um, so that also means Run the Jewels, we're supposed to be playing with them and also playing Electric Picnic, so mm. they won't be playing either. Like, it's not going to happen anyway. But other acts on the bill for Electric Picnic, like Lewis Capaldi, the Chemical Brothers, Picture Distance, Snow Patrol, have all moved their gigs um, this summer uh, to 2021. So we can expect Electric Picnic to follow suit as well out of necessity. But also, like we said, there's no vaccine so it's not going to happen. The gigs aren't going to happen. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Like Luke Sharkey wrote a piece on the site this week. No, about, nothing. Nothing's no, going to happen. Nothing. Luke's piece was such a good point. Dinner and a show. Yeah. It's, where, like everyone should read it because it is like I have been longing for dinner and a show to just <laughs> make a bit of a resurgence. I, I know that the Sugar Club used to do some. There was some, but I just... I just find the whole concept of it very glamorous and you can get dressed up and you can wear little heels and because you know when you go to a gig you can just pretty much wear like converse and jeans like otherwise you're going to get your clothes destroyed but a dinner and a show hello dinner and a show who is yeah. she and I feel like you could yeah you could socially distance at something like that and you know they can charge whatever they want in the post-covid world I assume and yeah. yeah, why not? I, I thought his piece was really, really good. Yeah, it's a good idea. Obviously, it won't suit every kind of music. It would be more quiet kind of things. You're not going to suit clubs or anything like that, or maybe hip hop stuff. Anything I would go to a girl band dinner in a show. <laughs> like That sounds like a Bob Gallagher video. Like, like it actually <laughs> yeah, it does. does. <laughs> like, you could shoot their video at it. That would be a good I, one. I'd go to that. Yeah, absolutely. I have uh, my girl band t shirt on, actually. Oh, dear. Yeah, very good. Um, there you go. I have my Another Love Story t-shirt on, so um, that's another festival that has not been cancelled this year, but probably not happen, I guess. But did you catch any of the live stream stuff that they did over the weekend, which is really nice? I I was supposed to do it, but I couldn't because I was moving house, so. But they just did a kind of like a festival lineup live stream throughout the day on Saturday. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's really good. And I'm seeing more of this stuff kind of coming up soon. 
Um, as we kind of settle into the live stream idea, I'm going to, I think we're going to see more like innovative things happening in terms of lineups and, uh, DJs and stuff like that. So I'm feeling a bit better. I about saw that some stuff, stuff going on in, um, I saw some stuff going on in Whelan's, um, yes. over the week slash weekend. thought that was really well done. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's a good idea to kind of use venues like because you, you can you know if, if you're within a now five kilometer radius and you're an artist um and there's someone there to let you in why not you know kind of try to emulate a live experience yeah a little bit better so other voices that were basically doing the uh their broadcasts live broadcasts on um youtube uh with mango matman from and sorka richardson from Wheelands. and tonight as we speak uh, in the next hour or so, uh, Lisa Hannigan is is going to be performing live for the National Gallery of Ireland, which is quite cool, uh, along with Loa and a few others. So that's kind of a nice thing. So we're going to see more of this. This is a long-term thing. We're going to settle into this. There's going to be more of this. We're going to use venues in this socially distant way. Um, so I guess it can only be a good thing, right? It's better than nothing. <laughs> it's better than nothing. It's all we have. Um, so maybe with that in mind, is it a time for reasons to be cheerful? Let's play the song. Yeah, go on. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. One, two, three. Okay, um, Andrea, what are your reasons to be cheerful this week? Do you have reasons to be cheerful? In the last few weeks, uh, which is fair enough. There has been times when you haven't had reasons to be cheerful so readily available to you. Uh, is there things that are spark- yeah. <laughs> sparking joy in your life this week? Yeah, no, I've 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 three things this week to make up for my complete pessimism in the last episode where I was like, <laughs> I have nothing. Um, the first one was the the ba- Bandcamp Day, the Bandcamp Day of Amnesty, where one hundred percent of your money goes to. Um, artists and Bandcamp waived their fee. I got some nice stuff. I got um, I bought some digital music from Royal Yellow, um, from Cobina, and I got I finally got myself the Maya Sophia Bath Time LP, the like really nice green one. So that's on its way to me. I got a very cute Junior Brother t-shirt. Nice. And I got a Tandem Felix t-shirt as well. So I'm very, very happy with all my alls. None of them have arrived yet, but that's fine. Because um, I think another reason to be cheerful for me is like just waiting for stuff to come in the post. Totally. Um, totally. Like even just like because I do kind of book reviews and stuff I get books sent to me now and I don't always know when they're going to arrive so sometimes there'll just be a knock on the door and it's a guy with a book and I'm like this is amazing (laughs) thank you um so that's nice um but yeah just the general um I I actually I don't have the amount of money to have Uh, 7.1 million artists 7.1 million yeah I mean that that blew me away you know I mean I I yeah, it's it's just, it's it's amazing to see so many people kind of rally around artists and I know here in Ireland we we have a much smaller community but um so many people that even you know I follow on Twitter or Instagram are like really really getting behind this Bandcamp day. I think the next one is due um 
I'd have to check it. I think it's it's early June, maybe like the fifth of June or something. Yeah, so they, they seem might to be doing do it once a like month, a, a once a month kind yeah. of thing. Which and it's is pretty cool. Interesting. Um, I think the that it generated seven point one million, where the last time it uh, was four point three, so it did a lot better the second time out, which is really good because you know you maybe expect the novelty might wear off a little bit, or people would be like, oh. You know, but there's so much music released, uh, even just an Irish context last Friday that uh, I can imagine now giving the people a bit more time to organize that, to release something on that day is a really good idea. Um, and it was really heartening to see a lot of things, people um, saying that uh, if they've had their best day ever of sales on a one single day. Yeah. Like you're talking like between hundreds, like upper hundreds and, and thousands of, of euro that people were actually making money in, in one go in one day, which is absolutely yeah. brilliant. And that's what we need. We need more of that. So, yeah. Um, and fair play yeah. to. And even like the the discussion around it like people were on twitter sharing you know like i bought stuff from this person this person this person and then i went and listened to those people and was like yeah I, i'm gonna check them out more and maybe in the next bank camp day i'll buy their stuff and it's just it's a really nice way to because i think i don't spend I, I spend a good bit of time now this year i tried to make a conscious decision to kind of support artists on Bandcamp more more so than spotify um and kind of like if i own music there listen to it there or buy it there especially if it's something like a single you know we can all add things to our spotify playlist but it's not going to have as much of an effect as if we buy it on Bandcamp. so i'm trying to make a bit more of a conscious decision to just spend more time on Bandcamp. yeah and um i've discovered so much cool music just being over there and you know following my friends and following like industry people uh from ireland especially irish bands um i found and artists i found kind of uh good few people so that's one of my reasons to be cheerful my other reason to be cheerful is i've been doing a lot of reading and i because uh, work dried up a little bit in the past week uh, which is fine so i just kind of took a week to read a lot of books um, but then I went on my Goodreads. Do you have Goodreads? Do you do that? No, I've never used that. Goodreads is cool. Um, and you kind of, you can set like a reading. It's kind of social media for books or like a kind of like a last FM. Yeah. Last FM or Letterboxd is the film and TV one, isn't it? Letterboxd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you can share your reviews and, um, if you review a book there, it's quite good for the author and, and that kind of thing. Um, but the main reason that I use it is to track my reading and to see if I am reading, you know, uh, like how many women authors am I reading? How many authors of color am I reading? Like just sort of making sure that I'm tr at least attempting to diversify my reading. I think I've actually only read one book by a man this year, um, which is interesting. But um, every year you can set a goal for how many books you want to read. And the the kind of the main one that people set is 50 books. And the past three years I've set 50 books and I haven't reached it in any of the years. But this year I set it at 40 and then I went on today to see how I was doing and I'm four books ahead of schedule. So that was my reason to be cheerful. So I am flying through the books, which is great. Um, I'll probably talk about some of them at the end yes. uh, in our little... 
I do have a book to talk about, which is uh, timely because it's uh, Normal People, which we'll talk about the TV show. I uh, don't know if you. Oh, we're going to talk about Normal People. <laughs> we are going to like, yes. Thank God. Okay, good. <laughs> um, okay. And my third reason to be cheerful um, is this mug that I got. Um, I'll, I'll put a picture for our DC. Do you know who that is? Oh, that's the uh, Moomins. Moomin person. It's Moomin? my Snufkin. Yeah, it's Snufkin and he looks like me and I got a <laughs> mug and listen, it's made out of tin so you can kind of bring it camping love with a you good tin because mug. Snufkin lives in a tent love a good and tin it's just mug. so cute <laughs> and I love it so much and I've been drinking even more tea because of it and genuinely it has brought me more joy this week than anything else in my life. Ah. Um I love it very much. So what I will say to people is if you have something in your in your little order thing and you're like in your basket and you're like, oh, no, that's a bit of a silly purchase. I shouldn't spend 15 euro on a cup. Um, do it. It's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything could happen. Buy the mug. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, yesterday I tweeted out that I was looking to uh, I had a hankering for a particular cocktail called the Sazerac. Um, which is the most bougie and like hipster thing, well not hipster, but like it's the most, you know, highbrow thing I've ever tweeted out. But I was just like, <laughs> I've been thinking about it for weeks and we did that um, Zoom cocktail class recently and the guy uh, from Tullamore Jews said, oh yeah, you might try the blind pig. And when I looked, they didn't have it. But when I looked yesterday, they did have it. So currently right <gasps> Right now, tinkling in this glass is a Sazerac from the Blind Pig in Dublin on Suffolk Street. Um, so it's finally happened. I've got my drink. And the other thing, like, you're right. Like, it's those little things that you're looking forward to now, like the little online shops, mm. little online purchases. So whether it be music or, or a cocktail or I've been using Coffee Angel a lot and I've been buying their um, uh, coffee beans um, and they do next day delivery pretty much. So. I'd expect more from them yeah. tomorrow. So that's been a really nice I mean, thing because like, just to know you can get good stuff all the time is like, yes, I can yeah. still get good stuff. I'm not like, uh, you know. And I know it's not very like anti-consumerist, which I kind of like, I, I get that this is, you know, it's not ideal to be like, stuff will make me happy. But like, you just, you got to get it where you can. And it's like, it's not like I'm, ordering from Amazon every day do you know like I'm trying to and my local around the corner the Gallop and Greens to Lorgan big shout out um they're starting to deliver or do like a drive-through for like cans so I'm like brilliant because I I have some friends who work uh, work out and run uh, the big romance so I'm like trying to support them and now it's like my actual local pub I can be like take my money please stay open forever um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to kind of get nice things and also to get the fuzzy feeling of knowing that you're potentially helping a business to stay open. Yeah, um, absolutely. And that's what, that's what, you know, that's the other part of it. Never mind the actual fact that I was really looking forward to getting this drink and having it. And I, and the, the satisfaction when I got it, I was like, yes, that was totally worth it. Um, but more just. You know, you are helping local business, Coffee Angel and the likes of 3FE um, can't open in a traditional way. And if only there was some way we could give, you know, provide services to venues and stuff like that as well. I mean, maybe that'll happen more often yeah. as we go on. But I'm surprised that that venues aren't selling like vouchers 
or like you know because i i would buy like a 50 euro voucher for wheelands for instance yeah um for like a later ticket for some kind of show i i know that there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of stuff there with like bookings and you know pr places or wherever but like i i i would pay now for later services from these places um if they were to offer things like that so may- maybe we'll see something like that coming coming along in terms of like when they start to really really start struggling um maybe just put out some vouchers i don't know i don't really know how the economy works yeah. so maybe that's a terrible idea <laughs> well i mean I don't, i'm not david mcwilliams I like. don't, yeah i don't know i guess a lot of those if wheelands do wheelands sell most of their tickets on Ticketmaster, or if they have their own platform mm. then maybe they can apply those kind of things but discounts or whatever like vouchers for that maybe that could work yeah um but it is good yeah. you know um i think you may have seen this week that some of the bookers from aiken were seem to be and bookers and promoters from Aiken uh, were let yeah. go, um, and that's yeah. really sad because you sad. know Aiken obviously are the second biggest promoter in Ireland, and they don't have the luxury of obviously waiting around for six months, um, and out of necessity, perhaps they had to be let go. But at the same time, that's a real huge blow. And then the likes of Bewley's going in Dublin, you know, it really make, brings home. That Don't even start me on Bewley's. I am distraught about Bewley's. We at the um, for the Sunday Business Post, um, Nadine O'Regan asked some of the writers to write about like the last thing that they did before lockdown, like the, their last um theater visit and cinema visit and one of the things was your last meal and I wrote about this amazing lunch that I had in Bewley's and this like opera cake that they make that's just like the most decadent beautiful it's made in-house like it's just the most stunning thing Harry and I like salivate over this opera cake like we talk about it all the time and it's like it's been one of our like milestones are like thing one of the first things we're going to do when we get out of this whole thing is go to Bewley's and get an opera cake and then I saw the news yesterday and I was like oh for fuck's sake 1.5 million euros rent like it's disgusting and I know this podcast isn't about that but like I'm just so sickened like it's another brilliant like cultural landmark just destroyed in this and they better keep the windows yeah i mean be really shy. I hope like the national gallery take the windows yeah it's those kind of things where you're like oh god this isn't a temporary situation this is gonna be a permanent have a permanent saying on on the city and the and the world and all that kind of stuff uh like personally for us this week you know i i'd say to bring it back to reasons to be cheerful like you know the fact that we have a patreon and people are supporting it means that you know we have some semblance of that there's there is money to pay luke sharkey who's writing for the site there's money to but the other thing is that i was kind of worried about in the last few weeks because i didn't really know what was going to happen with it is our uh, office rent right um and i found out yesterday that our office rent was reduced by 60 percent for three months and that's like wow a huge huge boon for me uh personally it means that like i you know a bit of breathing space and the likes of yeah. the, the fact that we have patreon there means that like okay we're not out of pocket right now um we do have to pay some money for the next three months but it's okay and it's manageable mm. um and that's really important. And uh, I saw like George's Arcade, for example, aren't charging any of their um, 
the people that uh, rent spaces from them as well at the moment, because like, how can you? So, yeah. I mean, if you recognize the greater value of what the city is offering and where we're all are, you can't just greedily ask for money. Nobody can make money right now. It's very yeah. difficult for people to make money. I mean, I don't, I don't know if anyone that listens to us is a landlord. Um, it's probably unlikely, but probably if you are a landlord, try to be sound. Um, and if you're a tenant, um, get on to your landlord. See see what you can do. Yeah. Um, so I do I do have some other reasons to be cheerful this week that don't involve rent. Um, um, one is a Twitter. Yes, a, please. <laughs> a Twitter account called Disco Comments on uh, uh, which takes random comments posted on rare disco tracks on YouTube and just tweets them out at random. Uh, mostly it's like old rare disco and Italo disco, and it's just the weirdest like. Um, misspelled, um, misshapen comments you can imagine. I'm gonna read a few out to you. Um, so this, for is, instance, it's just like it's just like I'd be work sitting there at the computer and I have this tagged uh, in my VIP section in Twitter in my lists, so it comes up and I just get a bit of a chuckle. And I have been for the last three or four weeks when this happens. So here's like the kind of things that you get. Twenty went twenty twenty. Who still play this? Me. Awesome. Italo Disco Eurobeat, five stars. I remember when I went to the disco one night, the DJ was a friend of mine. He waved me and he pointed at his ear. That was our signal for something new was coming up next. I waited. OMG, <laughs> from the first note, the sound has hit me like a bomb, making you dance. Still one of my favours. <laughs> it's ex- <laughs> And this is the last my, one I picked out. It's- my favourite comments are like the ones who are like, I'm like, you know, on like the Beatles or something. And it's like, I'm 13 and I only listen to this music. Yeah. And then like all the replies are like 70 year old men being like, yeah, you're the savior of your generation. Yeah. And you know, that first comment was just some guy, like just some guy in his 40s who was like, this will be gas. It's so, YouTube comments are just so weird. They're so weird. It's a weird place. Here's another one. Oh, it's, it's exciting when you're on the dance floor. The music you like is performed by the DJ. I love that song. It brings back the memory of a time that will never return and that will forever be in our hearts. Smiley face. <laughs> That's that, pretty grim. <laughs> yeah, but you know, it's those kind of things that I mean, been, it's true. Yeah, but it she didn't true. have to say it. Yeah, uh, but it's that kind of thing. It's like YouTube comments are the things that don't need to be said by anybody ever. <laughs> That's it. Like, yeah, like like say. every YouTube video I'm watching right now, the first comment is always, "Who's watching this in quarantine?" And I'm like, "We all are. We're all watching it in quarantine." Like. <laughs> what are you doing and it's not it's not like reddit karma it's not like when you get likes on things like your your overall karma on your profile goes up or anything but people love getting loads of likes on youtube videos it's crazy i sometimes go on um those um like lo-fi beats lo-fi hip-hop beats for study and relaxation streams um and i especially like the ones that are I actually i i think it should be a topic for a podcast in future but i like I go on the ones that are on live and they have like a chat in the side and the chat is like the most wholesome shit. Like just people being like, like before, before the pandemic, someone would be like, I'm 14 and I'm studying and I can't concentrate. And then other people would be like, it's okay. Try this method or like, you can do it. And I'm like, where, what, how did this wholesome thing just like, like erupt from this chilled cow YouTube channel 
so beautiful it's such a <laughs> lovely little space i recommend going on to those and like the, so the beats are good yeah they are they're um, they're lo-fi and chill funny there was an article on vice today that reminded me of do you remember turntable fm do you remember that it was a very short-lived that rings a bell music service that you basically went into a virtual room and DJed and there was a little avatar that represented you and everyone else that was in there and everyone would take turns DJing and it was like, a, it was a very much like that. It was like, um, you know, oh, this is hip hop beats or like indie new wave or whatever and you would get a turn to DJ and you could get booted off if if the moderator didn't think you were doing a good job and all that kind of stuff. It's basically what we need right I'm now. I'm furious. Me and my friend Nadia, uh, Nadia on the series, hello. Um, we in college invented a game that you play at parties called DJ Wars and you get like, you get like a run of five songs like at, at the after set and people could vote you out if you weren't doing a good job at the after set. <laughs> it was called <laughs> DJ Wars and it was great. <laughs> That's pretty much Turntable FM, which uh, apparently Aww. apparently people are pining for again because they wanted to come back because we can't physically gather. So we need to virtually gather more. Um, so I'm all for that. Um, I do have one other reason to be cheerful and I love local, new, local news stories and the absolute you know small victories that people celebrate in local news so here's one from the Offaly Express this week and the title is Offaly Youngster has music accepted by Spotify so an eight year <laughs> an eight year old Eden Dairy boy is using lockdown and an extended break from school to make waves in the electronic music scene while the rest of us get the grips with zoom calls working in the cloud and the new digital uh, school space, Keelan has mastered the art of computer programming and music production. He uses Novation Launch Key in Ableton 10 to create a sound. Quite the digital whiz Go on, Keelan. Keelan has not only released some music on YouTube, but it's also been verified on Spotify in recent week. His name is up on lights on the music stream app alongside his heroes, David Guetta and Fatboy Slim. Okay, this is lovely. <laughs> I did check. I was like, his name has been verified. He's he, he okay. He's eight. That's brilliant. It's lovely, but he hasn't been verified. <laughs> he's just uploaded music to Spotify. It's but still very cute. But uh, he goes on to say the young off the young Offaly schoolboy has his sights set on releasing his first album in the coming months, becoming the young, youngest person in his school, St Patrick's Primary School, Eden Derry, and in the town itself to do so. He has already put together three tracks, but aims to have 11 or 12 on the finished article. Befitting the time we're living in, one of the songs is entitled Corona, with a K. Um, the album will be entitled... With a K! <laughs> the album will be entitled Lockdown. <laughs> oh so, my God. Are they any good? Have you listened to them? I mean, if for an eight-year-old, it's fucking brilliant. <laughs> it's a banger. Unreal! EDM buyers from an eight-year-old. Oh it's unreal. Yeah, can so. I interview him for the site? <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, <laughs> All you can. about this. Yeah. So. Oh, that's adorable. That's so sweet. Because obviously, you know, the journalist who was writing it is like, wow, he's got his stuff on Spotify. It's not easy to do that. Yeah, he's up on Spotify now. Isn't it great? But yeah, Aww. just one of those cute, like, local stories um, that I really enjoyed this week. And another reason to be cheerful. So uh, moving on, somehow transitioning from something to be cheerful to, I guess, a celebration. We're going to 
obviously some very sad yeah. news this week. Uh, Florian Schneider, one of the co-founders of Kraftwerk, one of the most seminal and important groups in our entire popular music history, passed away this week of cancer at the age of 73. It was, uh, uh, and then suddenly yesterday, um, and rather than, you know, you know, be negative about it i mean it's it is sad obviously. we're not going to eulogize yes we're not going to eulogize we're just going to celebrate and the way of doing that we're going to play a few uh five uh craft work songs that um it's very hard to just pick five but i think we've picked five across their um discography um for anyone who doesn't know who craft work are um um they were formed in germany in the early 70s um in dusseldorf in their studio Kling clang um they released three albums of kind of proggy jazz rock initially and then pivoted to uh, electronic music and vocoder kind of bass music and very much built their own instruments and were known especially for that kind of vocoder electronic sound their albums like uh, 1974 Autobahn, um, Trans Europe Express 1977, Computer World 1981. We're going to talk about some of these are amongst the most like influential like electronic music albums ever made. Um, their songs were sampled by the likes of Africa Mombata, New Order, LCD Sound System, Most Def, Jay Z, Coldplay, all sorts of stuff. But across more than that, like I said earlier on, they were one of like personally they were one of my personal inspirations for writing about music because I was just so you know when you're young when you're young you're like oh I like what I like and that's what I like and you like look you like music made by young people and then you see these elder gentlemen at, at a festival like Electro Picnic and I was just absolutely blown away by their style and their um substance and their live show and everything they ever did um, and it really set me on a, a path um, I already loved electronic music but I think I really it gave me an opportunity to really delve into a a band that were are still one of the most influential bands probably ever um their their music touched on like inspired so much hip hop and electronic music that came after it pop music so as a way of celebrating that um we're going to look at Florian Schneider and Kraftwerk's influence in music um we're going to start by uh, playing uh, Autobahn, one of the the first song, the title song from their fourth album. And this is from 1974. Um, and Autobahn is the time where Kraftwerk, uh, Andrea's doing uh, this is my Kraftwerk dance. dance. Kraftwerk <laughs> dancing on Zoom on Skyper. Um, 
So I took a video earlier of me dancing to Kraftwerk and I, I meant to send it to you and I forgot. I'll send it to you later. Okay. <laughs> I made up a dance for numbers. Uh, I'm sure there's some TikTok dancing to can... Kraftwerk somewhere. Out there. No, don't sully. <laughs> don't sully them. But you know, the thing about Kraftwerk is they were so modern and they still sound so modern that a lot of the music could actually work in that context, even though people might have no idea who Kraftwerk are. So Autobahn, for example, is from their fourth album. It was the album where they started to really pivot towards full, uh, like more electronic based um, production um the actual full version of that song is 22 minutes long. It opens the album. Um, there's a, a single version as well. But what I love about Autobahn is the, I mean, obviously the first thing is the fun, fun, fun on the Autobahn kind of line, that whimsical idea. But more than that, it has that kind of expansive vistas of sound and melody that like Kraftwerk became known for. So it's not merely, you know, this like very, would be a very old fashioned way of saying this, but like, or people who have this opinion that like electronic music has no feeling, but you know, they have shown from the very start that they were able to create music that was uh, very highly emotive and also very unique. Mm. And, you know, here's the song about. And I, I sort of, something I love so much about Kraftwerk is that they, as a group, always kind of, in a funny way, always denied that that's what they're doing. Like, I remember reading an interview with one of them, or maybe it was with the band while they were still together, um, where one of them said, you know, like, we're, we're not the orchestra, we're not, we're, we're not trying to, like, evoke emotions here we're the antenna and we're just picking up and sending back out signal and I mean obviously that isn't true obviously they're creating this music to sort of create this link uh between something you know cold and unfeeling like a like a machine or a robot or whatever and humanity but I do love that they 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 have many times kind of doubled down on that and been like, no, we're not a feeling band. We are we are yeah. straight down the middle. We are you know we're robots, and I I love the commitment to that idea. You know, yeah. Even in interviews, which they rarely do, they they don't. They're very obfuscated. They don't talk. They they respond like robots. They respond like uh, non yeah. machines as opposed to any input output. Yeah. Uh, minimum maximum all that kind of stuff so they've always done that and and that means that like their music is kind of just there to interpret there's always those stories about you know people ringing up and who actually did get an interview and you had to ring at a certain time and ring a certain phone number and then you get collected or connected to somebody well that's true of many interviews as in (laughs) you do usually have to ring at a certain time (laughs) no i mean call a certain phone number (laughs) yes yes but they were so specific about it that otherwise you could get through to anybody they wouldn't answer unless you call yeah but they wouldn't answer unless you called at like 12 37 on the friday at you know that kind of way like they wouldn't answer unless you were on time obviously german efficiency (laughs) that's a fucking nightmare (laughs) oh god um but yeah this song like autobahn like you can hear there that you know there's things in that song that are pretty groundbreaking in terms of production there's the stereo panning and phasing of the synthesizers that are were very groundbreaking at the time and we're talking about 1974 and so florian it's unbelievable yeah. that that's released in 1974 like, isn't it yeah so like what albums were released in 1974 you know what i mean like there's 
well, that would be a good thing that I should have looked up, but I didn't look it up. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But yeah, so like albums released that year would have been the likes of... I'm sure uh, Bowie probably had an album, did he? um, Yes, Kiss had an album out that year. Uh, The Pointer Sisters, uh, Aerosmith, uh, Frank Zappa, a lot of uh, kind of Paul Simon stuff. yeah, there was. It, we're talking about seventies. There was a lot of guitars. Well, seventies, seventies rock, and this is nothing like that at all. Yeah. Um. So, mm. you know, the thing about that song as well is like, um, Florian Schneider was uh, started. You can hear it as well in that song that he started uh, right, uh, playing a flute. That was his first musical instrument. There's a bit of flute melody in that song that repeats on the album as well, and it's got that kind of moog bass line. Um, that was quite uh, groundbreaking at the time, and then that motoric kind of. Form. Apparently he. He, he like threw his flute in the bin one day he like literally put it in the garbage and was like no no more he's done with it I love. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like li- literally was like no i'm like literally like i'm leaving the flute it's yeah. going in the bin okay <laughs> uh, which I, I just love that as like an artistic statement it's like no i'm fully becoming a robot i'm no longer am i going to be tied to because you know he he knows his stuff when it comes to like western um classical music or you know what western art music um, and just decided it's it's you know those artists who you're like yeah no you know the rules and that's why you were able to break them like you you don't just you know just come out here and and start you know talking like a robot yeah it it wouldn't work unless you knew unless you had some kind of um unless you were tethered in some way to western art music in some way you know that kind of way yeah yeah and I think the other thing about that song in particular, which kind of, you know, um, which we'll talk about a bit more is that kind of motoric 4-4 beat and the vocoder that they often use, which Florian himself actually built uh, a vocoder kind of uh, instrument, essentially. Um, so he was known for that as well. Um, yeah, so our next track from Kraftwerk is uh, Trans Europe Express from their album of the same name from 1977. Um, again, that Boderick beat is at the, the centre of this song and here is what it sounds like. So yeah, that is Trans Europe Express. Um, it is has that choking rhythm. Obviously, this is a song about a train, essentially. You know, um, 
there's been many songs about trains really but uh this is the this is the one that really sounds like a train it's got that jogging rhythm that's very mechanistic um famously sampled by planet uh by african bambara on planet rock essentially one of the opening up a whole new genre in in as hip-hop um so you know Kraftwerk very very influential in um especially with breaking and and b-boys and and hip-hop early hip-hop stuff that that kind of beat was adopted in that style and and uh, used in that form and used in that genre um so unlikely peers you would say um and speaking of peers mm. trans europe express actually does reference meeting iggy pop and david bowie who uh, ralph and florian from Kraftwerk met at cling clang studio in dusseldorf when they were in berlin um, and in germany uh, recording their albums and having a good time um so yeah uh, it is a fine example of their work and and it ha- like it has that kind of you know here's a song about a train and it's very evocative like m- all of their music and I think that's the thing you know about Kraftwerk is that the melodies always uh, stay with you regardless of what whatever the production's like um, so definitely one of my favorite it was really hard to pick this but I'm going kind of chronologically here the next song I picked is uh, the Robots from the Man Machine from their album the following year in 1978. is like you said is that concept that the uh craft work would kind of carry through in terms of their music and how they would represent themselves uh when the song was performed live the, uh, towards the end of the set the band would traditionally uh the curtain would come over and the band would disappear and all you'd see is these like showroom dummies these kind of uh robot um dummies who would uh replace them uh, that resemble themselves uh, and it really i think that song you picked this one as well right yeah this was uh this and numbers i heard were the first craftwork uh tracks that i heard and i think i was just about getting into electronic music um i was very you know guitar heavy in my youth and avoided electronic music um because that was just the kind of circles I was in I suppose and um yeah I remember talking to one of the guys I used to hang out with and he showed me he showed me a live performance of numbers that to this day I think is just one of the best things I've ever heard and also uh robots and I I I think it was it, it was these it was those two songs that really made me kind of take electronic music seriously and kind of view it as being um as being art music in a way or certainly 
craft work as being art musicians um because I was also kind of parallel to that I was getting into like John Cage and minimalist art music and it just sort of fell in at the same time for me the robots I mean I I think if if you were to sort of find a song that defines the group it, it's probably this one um in ter- in terms of just thematically in terms of its sound in in terms of kind of what it evokes in you it, it it's it's sort of comforting and terrifying at the same time um like that that voice that says you know we are the robots it's it's kind of it's really thrilling um and it's thrilling every single time you hear it because it's kind of like you know since then we've kind of heard that that effect being used but I don't know there's something in 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 the rawness and 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 minimalism of it that I just find so affecting and uh scary in a way um that I love because I'm I'm sort of always chasing that um that idea of like organic humans and like you know interacting with the voice in the machine um and you'd think I'd be more interested in dance music but um I I I tend to be more interested in it when like say bands like Radiohead do it you know like there's still a little bit more of this kind of organic instrumentation in it but I think this track is like so uh, it's so formative yeah. In that, in in those kind of genres, like I owe, I owe so many, like so many of my favorite bands owe, like their sound to Kraftwerk and to that idea of the the voice or the ghost in the machine. Like I owe them my love of Bowie, like some of Bowie's kind of later, more experimental electronic stuff. I owe them eighties pop music. I owe them new wave. Like there's hardly a genre untouched by this idea. Do you yeah. know, they're so kind of. I mean, that song was released Singular. 42 years ago and it still sounds as futuristic and modern as anything that could be released now. And, you know, the kind of ideas yeah. that they seeded in that music is still being replicated now by people who are releasing music. And so that, I mean, when people say Kraftwerk were the pioneers of electronic music, there's no doubt that is the most true statement you could ever imagine. Like it is they are still inspiring people to this day. They didn't, their um, influence didn't diminish over those years. They're still there. They're still palpable. They're still uh, there to be experienced and they still are totally relevant and their music has been. And especially yeah. like our next song, you know, like you talk about the robots and then like Computer World from 1981, their album, which you mentioned numbers. I, I, I ended up going for Computer Love instead of uh, numbers on this one. But again, like this, that's a travesty i know well <laughs> no computer love is great but i mean numbers oh my god uh, yeah so good well the thing about numbers is that it's such an uh it, it for me it's now such an audio visual experience because the way that they represent that live is so well done and the it's such a like a minimal song which just has people which the vocoder singing like the numbers, saying the numbers in different languages, but it's so beautifully realized in an, in a live context as well. But again, like the wider point about the album computer world is like, this is 1981. This is their eighth album. And here's the band whose um, whole thematic of that album is still completely relevant right now. Still chimes in as a 21st century where everything we do is online and relationships are maintained and formed over electronic connections. And this song is such a, Gorgeous piece of music. I'll play it and then we'll come back and talk about it. This is Computer Love from Kraftwerk. I call this number. I call this number. 
so yeah that is computer love um as i was saying it's such a gorgeous piece of music so moving and melancholic and lovely and melodic um obviously the other thing that it was it is since known for since 2005 it was sampled by coldplay uh on their song talk the main melody of that song but yeah, it is a totally relevant. Um, it wasn't sampled like badly. No, no, it like, wasn't. It's it kind wasn't. of fine. It was fine. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but that- I, I was, I was mad about it at the time because it was two thousand five, and I was like, "What the fuck?" But uh, yeah, it was fine. It, yeah. it, I, I actually, I went after listening to this song today. I went back and listened to "Talk" by Coldplay, and I was like, "They did okay with it. It's fine, you know. Like you're not, you're not going to improve on it." No, you know, <laughs> no. But I love, I love this song so much. It's just like that kind of. I think Computer World is one of my favorite albums from them, um, like Pocket Calculator and stuff like that as well. But I love the kind of repeating halftime synth lines that uh, uh, towards the end that kind of, you know, break out of the grid a bit. And and Kraftwerk were always really good at that. They always had these like beautiful emotive synth lines that um, kind of rest over the rest of the 4-4 kind of beat. And I think that's something that I just love about their music so much. Um and there's so much music to choose, but we our final one uh, from Craftwork is pretty much like, you know, you talk about artists having an imperial period and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Craftwork had a great run of music. And I don't think they ever really released a bad album necessarily. Um, they always had something on their albums. But to come back in 2003 and actually release something that was as good as their early stuff when they did with Tour de France. Um, so... Yeah, uh, Tour de France album was released in 2003. Again, we're talking about an album here that's inspired by cycling and the famous uh, race that uh, of the titular uh, I love race this as album. Well. I, I, so I I love their their commitment to the theme on this album. Like it's just like from the from the artwork to like just like it's just so it's just so committed to its theme and I love that. You know, like yeah. we talk about concept and you and I talk about concept albums a lot. And it's it's just on another level. This it's it's really beautiful. It's it's really it kind of lovingly yeah. rendered. Those kind know? of primary colors and everything about it, just so yeah. like primal as well. And so yeah. the reason I picked this one, which is the last song on the album Tour de France, just simply called uh, Tour de France, is because it has that breathing rhythm that like you know cyclists may employ if they're actually in there so it has that kind of like physical sport and uh, movement in it uh, this is Tour de France from the album Tour de France <sighs> So yeah, the uh, Tour de France song actually originally 
was released in 1983. Um, so this is, but this is a new version that appeared on the 2003 album, which was you know pretty much all new material other than that. Um, and again. What I love about this album is that it really was, it's the best album about cycling, <laughs> for sure. And that's the best song about cycling I've ever heard. But again, in talking about those kind of like curtain opening synth lines that like unfurl across the, the main melody as if something is being revealed. You've got uh, a, a, that breathing rib- rhythm that was sampled in hip hop a lot, but like so Egyptian Lover, Diplo, Timbaland, Sierra. So many people have sampled that song and used that as a counterpoint and a reference. I feel like uh, Happy Cycling by Boards of Canada is like a, a, a cute younger brother to this <laughs> concept. Yeah, you know? the the bouncy cycle. And they're obviously an, an, another group that, you know, owe probably everything to Kraftwerk, like in terms of the instrumentation and the kind of style that, that you know, human-robot hybrid yeah. sound that they have as well, you know? Yeah, um, and I, I picked this as well because, you know, for me, my way into Kraftwerk's music was the Minimum Maximum um, DVD and live album that they released uh, the same year that I saw them. So... I remember listening to that uh, and going. What year was that that uh, you saw? Two thousand and five, uh, and it was just such. I was just so taken by how they were so modern, and they'd up even on that album. Like these songs already sound like so up to date, but they had just tweaked them a little bit, and they've had extra production and dynamics in it that. I couldn't quite believe what they had done. And like, here's a band. They had a song on that. The second uh, song on that uh, Minimum Maximum album is called Planet of Visions. It's a reworked version of Expo 2000, one of their old songs. And it's such a banger. And you're like, it's talking about Detroit and techno and stuff like this. And you're like, wow, these German studious professors who they just look like studious professors were able to conjure up like 40 something years into their career um able to like conjure up these amazing songs and still sound so on point have all the dynamics of dance music and could totally fit in somewhere so again it was just one of those things where i was like yeah there's very few artists who are who kind of made like like i mean i guess david byrne would be someone who is sort of has a similar kind of career trajectory in that, you know, he's very pioneering and very groundbreaking um, in his early work with Talking Heads and then, you know, is still kind of pushing those boundaries. But there's there's very few artists who like that late in their career can be so um, attuned to modern sounds and also still sound like their old stuff which inspired all of the modern sounds. Like it's this yeah. weird feedback loop, you know, it's really interesting. Yeah. I and, love that I, album. I, I love, I love Tour de France. Yeah. And they never, they never like took on influence of anyone else. Really. They always just sounded totally singular, no matter what, even though there's some elements of that live stuff, where it's like, they clearly had been listening to music of the last 40 years and they've taken stuff on board, but they remained themselves. They remained that, the man machine, all that kind of stuff the whole time. And they never deviated or, or changed too much. And that is why they are, will be, uh, their influences will remain. And that's why they will be, that influence will be truly endless in a way, um, like one of their songs as well. So um, yeah, um, so I guess that's all I have to say. I mean, I, 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 I was texting you earlier about, um, about Kraftwerk and saying that like in, t- in terms of, you know, the cool factor, 
there's probably no other band that are as singularly cool as Kraftwerk, even in terms of their aesthetic. Like they influenced it so influenced so much, even in like fashion in the eighties and nineties. Do you know, like just that kind of very like almost you know uniform, very like straight faced. Like I'm not. I'm I'm part. I'm part of a sequence here. Do you know? I'm not. I'm not this like huge front man and my backing band you know it's 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 such an interesting aesthetic for them to have pioneered you know and I mean you see lads now in red shirts and black ties you know like even up into like the emo movement like that was the uniform you know like so it was they they were so influential like not only in kind of music but also in kind of fashion and aesthetics and stuff like that as well yeah I and I think the thing about their music as well is that it always just felt like they were totally um of the time and they still are of the time but you know it's like the it it's that kind of like brilliant music that just feels like it always existed it always it never wasn't it was just uncovered and it's it remains um, yeah it's like a kind present. of retro futurism thing it's, it's really but not too far either way that sounds like too dated to me i mean obviously some of it is dated in terms of like it's not a like edm pop banger or anything like that but like there's elements there that are just you know timeless melodies that will always uh be present so um yeah that's uh, r.i.p florian schneider um so we thank will you move- for the music yeah so we will move on to songs of the week because we're already having a very long episode this week. Um, our first track. Oh gosh. <laughs> we haven't talked. Oh anymore. my. We I just saw. <laughs> um, okay. Our first song of songs of the week this week is from the Fontaines DC. They have a new album out. Oh, can we on just July 31st. For time. It is called A Hero's Death and this is the title track. Tell your mother that you love her. I go out of your way for others Sit beneath the light that suits you And look forward to a brighter future Life ain't always empty 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 Sink as far down as you've been pulled up Happiness really ain't all about luck Let your demeanor be a deep down self And don't sacrifice your life for your health When you speak, speak sincere I believe me friend, everyone will hear Life ain't always empty 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 so was that Where's Me Jumper by Sultans of Ping or was it Fontaine CC? <laughs> uh, hard to know. I know it does exactly sound like it's going to hit in at the start of that song with my brother knows Karl Marx. Uh, but yes, yeah, yeah. so did we expect a Fontaine's? There was rumblings of the Fontaine's album on the way, but um, didn't expect to get it so soon, especially not with Corona, Miss Rona and all that kind of stuff happening. Didn't think it would what's, happen so what's soon. What's the date for the album again? July 31st. July 31st, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that is soon. Like, I mean. It's very soon. Yeah. So like they it's weren't, all done. They, they weren't that early in the year in 2019 either. Like, and, you know, obviously like they were choice prize nominated, which only happened in March. So kind of feels like we haven't really had a break from yeah. them. 
So they've been busy anyway. Um, the title of this song came from a line in a play by Brendan Bean, and uh, of course I did. And I wrote the he said Green Chat and said he wrote the lyrics during a time when I felt consumed by the need to write something else to alleviate the fear that I would never be able to follow up Dog Rule. Uh, but more broadly, it's about the battle between happiness and depression. The trust issue and conform tied to both of those feelings. Uh, according to the press release, the album A Hero's Death will feature more restrained balladry and influences include the band Suicide, uh, the Beach Boys, Leonard Cohen, uh, Beach House Broadcast and Lee Hazelwood. And um, I think the lads missed a trick here. They had an album art features a statue of the of Ku Cullen. Um, that stands in Dublin as a commemoration to Easter Rising. I thought would have thought with their uh, relation to the Liberties, they could have had the White Lady up there on the front of their album cover. I would have liked to see that. But okay, tempting fate. What do you think of this song? Um, okay, the things I like about this song are direct references to other bands. So you know the guitar tones, the backing harmonies. They were kind of teasing this idea of being you know Beach Boys um, influenced. I'm not hearing them using inf- that influence in a very interesting way. I'm just hearing, you know, Shoop Duwadi's kind of forced into a song where they don't really feel like they belong. But like if if you kind of take everything besides the vocals and maybe a bit of the tonality of the song, like the kind of abrasiveness of it out, I think there's probably the bones of a decent structure here. But I just think overall... The lyrics are pretty uninteresting. They seem to clash with that sound. I don't hate it, um, but I don't imagine any situation where I would be driven to listen to it. I think the the, to- the tonal clash in it between the lyrics, the instrumentation, and those kind of outside influences like the Beach Boys just kind of smother it in its own liminality. Like it's too... It's too maybe self-aware or wrapped up in itself I'm, I'm I'm not sure it's just sort of it really didn't do it for me um but I think it's probably like if if they're going more towards like a balladry thing I did like television screens T- television screens was pretty much the only song on dog roll that I would hold my hands up and say like that's that's a good song I enjoy listening to that song um so if they go more that direction I reckon they could maybe get me on board not that that's you know their raison d'etre is to get me on board but like I mean you know that a, a lot of people like myself who don't really get the hype around Fontaine CC tend to have similar reasons why um and I don't think that this song is going to change anybody's minds yeah, I this feels like an album cut to me for sure. Um, it's seventh track of eleven, um, and f- interestingly, what comes up after this is a song called "Living in America." I hope that's a James Brown cover. <laughs> you know that song? <laughs> I hope to really, God it isn't. Yeah, I <laughs> know. Uh, probably not. But uh, yeah, look, this song is fine. It's um, we heard this myself and Luke heard this at the uh, Rock Against Homelessness gig that they did. So they played that live. Um, and yeah, it's fine. It's not going to change anybody's mind about the Fontaines right now if you need a mind to be changed. And I think anyone that's already on yeah. board is it, with the band is going to like this. So I think it remains to be seen what the exactly. album is like. I think it's kind of like, you need to hear the album all the way through to to decide what the uh, 
what ultimately what this album is going to be like and all that kind of stuff. So as yeah, a, I think as uh, as a single, like if this is the strongest cut off the album, it doesn't really bode that well. But if it's just a sort of a, a taster to say, you know, we are looking elsewhere for our influence, then maybe it was it was the right call. But um, yeah, it completely remains to be seen. Like, I mean, with with other bands, they can, you know, release the first single off an album and I'll be straight on board being like, yeah, oh my God, this is great. I'm really excited to hear the rest of the album and what they do with this. This song doesn't make me feel that way about, about this next album. It makes me just feel like, you know, we're, we're, we're going to have a pretty long rollout until July 31st. Um, I reckon, you know, they've released the track listing and stuff, which I don't really understand when people do that, um, like pre-album, but I don't know. Hashtag, uh, hashtag content. Yeah. People want to know, yeah, I guess. Yeah, hashtag hype. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll 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 check back in when there's more music released from the Fontaine's you see. Um up next is uh In the Absence of a Summer, is this the song of the summer? This is Doja Cat and Nicki Minaj with a song called Say So. Yes, I'm ghetto world to Gepetto. Plus I'm letto. Where's my stiletto? Tell my Jordan, send me my retros. Used to be bite, but now I'm just hetero. Ain't talking medicine, but I made a morphine. Ever since I put the cookie on quarantine, he know this thing A1 like a felony. All he gotta do is say the word like a spelling bee. Right, so this is a song that's buried a little bit into my subconscious. Only in the last week, really. I think I've heard it a couple of times. There's an original version without Nicki Minaj on it. The remix version uh, dropped last week um, from Doja Cat. She's an LA artist, been around a couple of years. Um, this is a banger. Um, this is like a really summery pop banger. And I'm like, I've been... I've had to be like, oh, I think this is, it sounds like an Ariana Grande song when she does the hook. Um, Nicki Minaj is doing her Nicki Minaj thing. It's fine. Um, you know, she's well averse to coming in and doing the guest first thing. Um, yeah, I just really enjoyed this this week. I think it was a really nice, light, breezy kind of summer jam that I wasn't expecting to hear. Um, and I know the original song was on the album um, Hot Pink last year. But uh, look, like I said, it's song of the summertime. We have to start picking a song of the summer. What is the song of the summer? It's not. It's not Tusi Slide. It can't be Tusi Slide from Drake. It can't be. Um, it's not a hero's death by Fontaine CC. Um, so who else is there? Sorry, Doja Cat. Yeah, Doja Cat has been that. This this track has been like. I I know you probably don't listen to the radio during the day because you've enough to be listening to, but like. As I mentioned before, uh, my housemates are working from home and they listen to Today FM. And I'd say this song is played at least once an hour. Not the, not the Nicki Minaj remix, but the just Doja Cat say so. I, I think it's banger. It's also huge on TikTok. I think it has a dance, uh, which is a sentence I think yeah. uh, I'm going to be begrudgingly saying about a lot of music now in the future. Um, but yeah, it's it's a banger. I, I don't know if this is like the most vital remix in the world. Or even in the past week, as no. we'll go on to <laughs> oh, discuss okay. another, yeah, another yeah, remix, yeah, yeah, yeah. which enough. I think is going to be the song of the summer. Okay, well, song of my summer anyway. That, but, that's um, why we have these two songs. Yeah, in, it's good. And you know, when when Nikki jumps on a track, she usually sounds really good, and she does sound good here. I think Do Doja Cat, obviously, like she's i was gonna say she's gonna be huge like she is um yeah. so i'm interested to see what she kind of follows up with but her her fans have been kind of you know 
like almost like Charlie XCX Stan level um already so I think she's just gonna she's gonna take over she she might be like the breakout artist uh of this year okay all right well we'll move on to that song you uh aforementioned it is Megan D. Stallion featuring Beyonce on the Savage remix hips tick tock when I dance on that demon time she might start her only fans big B and that B stand for bands if you want to see some real ass baby here's your chance I say left cheek right cheek drop it low with this wine Texas up in this thing put you up on this gang I'll be parking my friend gang 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 if you don't jump to put jeans on baby you don't feel my Pain. Please don't give me hype. Write my name in ice. Can't argue with these lazy bitches. I just raise my price. I'm a boss. I'm a leader. I pull up in my two seater. And my mama was a savage. Nigga got this shit from Tina. I'm a savage. Yeah. Classy, bougie, ratchet. Sassy, moody, nasty. Hacking, stupid. What's happening? What's happening? Bitch, I'm a savage. Yeah. Classy, bougie, ratchet. Sassy, um, okay, so that was Megan D. Stallion and Beyonce. The song is called Savage. This is a remix version, a Houston collab. So it'd be interesting. These two songs are kind of stacked up against each other this week in terms of like chart success um, and, you know, general virality. Um, the, the, They're so, both the re- remixes, which we don't oh, tend yeah. to feature on the podcast as well. Yeah. Um, they've this one again has had seventeen million TikTok creates, which is the word now. Um, uh, yeah. So is that what things. it's called? A create? Yeah, apparently so. Okay. Uh, half a million Shazam tag tags on this, but I guess look, Megan Thee Stallion does her thing for sure. Uh, it's a good track. Um, but the real reason that we're featuring this right now is because uh, it's a Beyonce feature, and they are few and far between. So, um, resident mm. Beyonce expert Andrea Cleary. How is she doing? I, so I think Beyonce, one of the things I love about Beyonce is that when she, she's not going to do anything unless she gives it everything. Like she's, if she, if she's going to jump on a song, she's going to be there, you know, she's going to be mindful about it. And I guess the difference between like the Doja Cat, Nicki Minaj track and this track is that Beyonce she's not just kind of hopping on and giving some verses. She is completely reimagining this song. Um, Those like small vocal inflections, the harmonies that are like peppered through, like they're small, but their impact on the track is huge. Like they, it just brings this kind of warmth and this, um, I don't know, just this buzz to it. Um, Like I think Beyonce and also Beyonce here is making a case um a further case for just a straight up rap album because my god do I love to hear that woman rap like she's so good at it and like and she's you know playing this character and she's like she's sort of being humorous and whimsical enough to get away with you know bragging about her wealth and being a bit braggadocious and stuff and I'm like yeah I'm entirely here for it um I'm, I'm here for her just letting a bit loose and reimagining tracks and jumping on collabs and just kind of getting getting the juices flowing and maybe we'll get a new album at some stage because I mean the last thing she did was the Lion King so um <laughs> she's probably you know um S- wanting to get back in the studio yeah and I'm sure she has a now. studio at her house like yeah, you I'm know sure she does um, and she's but the yeah, one that's I, booked I just, it because she has the clearly the best um, 
the, the yeah. still the best artist in the Carter household, for sure. Hundred percent. I mean, remains to be seen what the children do, but as it stands, she's she's you know she's unbelievable. She's you know the best pop artist in the world. But um, I love, 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 love what she did with this. I think it blows that Nicki Minaj Doja Cat track out of the water. Like it's it's so 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 good, and um, it's and also we we had that that um that TikTok. I'm not sure if it was actually a TikTok, but that video this week of that American Irish dancer girl Morgan. I can't remember her name. I Morgan. Morgan. Yeah, with a holy H. shit, she. She, I mean, I, I had to do Irish dancing as a child and if I could go back in time, <laughs> if I knew Irish dancing could be that cool, I would go back in time and I would pay more attention. Um, it's unbelievable. Like she's amazing. That, that was the first time I heard the track was on that video actually. And I was like, what is this? Oh my God. And then I went and listened yeah. to it and just lost my mind. But, um, yeah, I adore what Beyonce did, um, on this, um, you know, give us the rap album, start start producing other people's stuff like she's obviously so capable just yeah it's nice yeah. to have her back absolutely absolutely um that's a good i think for me the doja cat one is a really strong hook and it's just one of those really nice summary hooks that i would not be displeased hearing over and over again and for me in terms of a summer song that's kind of enough um but this is a totally different kind of buzz um but definitely stakes mm. his own case and savage in a very different way mm. uh okay our final yeah. track of the week this week is from james blake this is called you're too precious <laughs> Diving to die Scratched in your smile No thought to silence Scratched in your smile So James Blake has spent most of the last, most of the lockdown doing live streams on Instagram and production masterclass and stuff like that um this song is a grower for me i when i first started i was like oh it just sounds like a throwaway from the album and it kind of is a throwaway from his last album but um it's revealed itself more and more the more i've listened to it and i've ended up listening to it a lot in the last week and just appreciating it and that's why i've included it here it's one of my nice songs that i've uh, enjoyed in the last few weeks um and so yeah um do you like this literally one? literally one of my notes that I have here is maybe it's a grower <laughs> so um yeah the line I'll take the hair in your food literally made me feel sick um, <laughs> I was like James oh what? no I didn't even caught like, that I looked please. at the lyrics earlier oh that's gross. yeah I think it's in the second verse and he's like you know I love you so much I'll do this I'll do this for you I'll take the hair in your food and I was like retching um not about that <laughs> i i wasn't right in, initially i wasn't really blown away by it i thought it might be maybe a bit too minimal for me um but i do like the piano in it and i like how the track kind of moves and changes in its production as it goes on i think it definitely it takes its time getting there but it does get more interesting and in kind of maybe the final third of the track um 
maybe I, I I think arguably he took a little bit too long to get there, but that's obviously, you know, an artistic minimalist choice and that's fine. Um, wasn't blown away by it. Um, I still think he's yet to do something that is as beautiful and moving as We Need a Forest Fire, which was his collaboration with Bonnie Bear in 2016, I think. It's still like the greatest thing that, in my opinion, he's done. I um, really like Assume Form from last year. I think it's a great album. I think it's great. I Love I Stoke, I really liked it too, but I, I still think it, it just didn't apart from maybe two tracks it didn't really hit me in that same way I think the more minimal he's going the less he's um sort of hooking me in emotionally I guess I think I I, I still think I need a little bit more James Blake in it and not not as much of the love focused lyrics because I think I, I I think assume form I kind of closed the door on the you know very heavy relationship songs for a bit and this feels like a cut off that album maybe um yeah like it definitely it would feels belong like there very comfortably so I'm like I'd I, I would have maybe liked to hear something a little bit different a little something that didn't sound so similar to assume form but um yeah. but yeah i think it is a grower I, I i liked it more the more i listened to it but i'm still not kind of hooked on it but yeah time will tell i suppose just about that line i take the hair of your food genius suggests it's a ref a deep reference to midsummer and the love spell where the food is eaten with the hair of the person who made it uh, and they fall under a mystical love spell i that sounds unlikely it just sounds like a weird thing that he does <laughs> it's just okay i leave it there i don't want to hear anymore and his his girlfriend has like it. extremely long hair as well you know Jamila Jamil she has like waist length hair so I was just like oh god no I can't even just don't in love songs don't mention hair being in food yeah not good not good (laughs) okay we leave it there for songs of the week this week Uh, our album of the week this week is from a a London band their third album Uh, they are called Happiness Uh, the album is called Floater and this is a glimpse of it Uh, a song called Ouch Yup So Happiness are Johnny Allen and Ash Kenazi. We talked about them uh, a couple of months ago when the song Vegetable, I think, um, we featured on the song. We talked about them in the office. So Oh, did we not? Before yeah. March. Oh God. Okay. Right. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in the in the far distant past. Um. So happiness yeah. floater. I've only given this one listen because of my aforementioned uh, lack of listening this week. So that's uh, okay. I, th- Andrea, I think they're more the of my thing. Yeah. They're probably yeah, more of my that. thing they're than definitely, your thing. So I, yeah. Um. 
how, how we have a podcast together is still uh, mind boggling, but here we are. It works. Um, so yeah, Happiness are an old rock band based in London. Uh, members, like you said, uh, John E. E. Allen or John E. Allen and Ash Ken Azai or Ken Azai. Um, Floater is their third album. It follows uh, their debut in 2015 called Weird Little Birthday. It's a fantastic album. And 2017's Write In, also a fantastic album. Their sound is pretty firmly rooted in a kind of melodic garage rock, but they definitely kind of try to tried to in the past and definitely with this album push that sound uh, to something a bit more experimental. Their melodies and their funny, kooky lyrics are probably what they're most acclaimed for. And they tend to switch between something that would be kind of pithy and wry and something quite heartbreaking in a matter of like just a couple of lines. Um, so Floater, this album was released last week. Uh, it's the band's first LP since they made quite a few changes uh, in, in their band. Firstly, one of the founding members, uh, Benji Compton, left the group Um so he left to pursue solo work under Jelly Boy. Um, also, uh, Ash, who's their drummer, came out as gay and started incorporating drag into the band's performances. So his aim, and I suppose the band's aim, is to kind of break down very heteronormative barriers in indie rock, like their particular genre of like slacker rock has primarily been the bastion of hetero men um but also challenging what what it is to do drag in in queer spaces there's a really interesting interview with the band in DIY where they talk about this um and Ash says when he's talking about performing at RuPaul's drag con um he says there are some people on the team who he works with uh who are really keen to make sure that drag doesn't become the RuPaul version of drag. We felt it was amazing to put across our version of drag. It's no different to the music industry and RuPaul is the equivalent of a major label. It it was like when we used to do support shows for a band that didn't, didn't necessarily fit, but some of our biggest fans would come out to these shows. So, you know, it's kind of melding those two communities or those two spaces together in a way that I haven't really seen done before um and this this album is definitely kind of is there I'm sorry is there much of that in the music that can be ascertained uh, away from the interviews I'm curious yeah I think so so I think I think definitely on on this record it's definitely their most kind of considered output like the 90s influence slacker sound is still abundant but I think that they are pushing it lyrically um into into really really interesting spaces as well as that you know the melodies are hitting a lot harder the instrumentation is lusher um and those lyrics are, are a bit more forthright it's incredibly confident um and so I think in terms of like their themes uh so right so take vegetable um for the which was the the single off the album that we that we spoke about um a million and ten years ago I suppose it's this gorgeously hazy kind of like building all of these elements over these lyrics about 
the idea of destruction and triumph and how sometimes you need to destroy something in order to rebuild it. Um, I think that that's a pretty good way to kind of listen to the album in light of the changes that have that have gone on um, within the kind of the band members, you know, those themes of destruction and rebirth. Um, and on the song title track, it's called title track. It's not the title track of the album. Uh, it's the opener of the album. Johnny Allen sings, maybe it'd be much better to be irreversibly changing endlessly, um, which I think sets that theme and that tone really well um, of I suppose fluidity and uh, change as a positive and also change as something that can be quite, um, yeah, like I said, destructive, like kind of, you know, rebirth and, and that sort of thing. Uh, in terms of the sound, I think they sound so lavish and lush, like I said, like um, Johnny Allen's vocal tone is completely indebted to Elliot Smith. Um, and also that kind of distorted sound of Julian Casablancas on, say, the first two strokes records where it kind of sounds like he's singing down a phone line at you. Um, but we're not really getting just like queer anthems here because I think there's there's a particular idea of what a queer anthem sounds like in terms of like modern music and it's almost exclusively electronic sounding you know like you think of Robin or you even think of like Perfume Genius and you know there's <laughs> like no one's really coming to like slacker rock to find their queer anthems but but they're definitely here in a genre that doesn't typically allow for that blending of queer spaces and, and indie spaces together but I think happiness really inhabits a really special space between those two communities that are both associated in one way or another with outsiders and they're really planting a flag in that sort of limbo zone between and and pushing the space to be more inclusive while not you know sort of well while not ignoring the sound that they want to make you know like if they if they wanted to come out and make it like a big positive queer anthemic album they could have done it in the way that a lot of other artists have already done it in that, you know, they go electric, but, or like, sorry, they go electronic, but whereas here they're, they're still, you know, they still remain in those roots. And, and I think it's really important that there is representation for queer people and for people who do drag and for people who are outsiders in a different kind of way in that very heteronormative um, space. You know, like, I, do, I don't know. There's, there's probably an interesting through line to be drawn between what they're doing and kind of Kurt Cobain's, like, gender bending performances, like when he would not quite perform in, in drag drag, but, you know, he would wear dresses and he was quite an outspoken feminist. And I, I think it really brings those roots of, um, I guess, like garage rock and, and grunge um to light where I suppose that 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 element of it has kind of been not quite ignored but it hasn't been at the forefront you know it it, it became a very kind of male focused heteronormative space um throughout you know the the 90s and 2000s so I think yeah I think it's really interesting what happiness are doing here and I think the album I mean beyond all of that beyond all the thematic stuff beyond the 
breaking down boundaries and representation and all that it just sounds so good like you can't really pin down one single genre like it kind of hops around genres there's like soft piano ballads like when I'm far away from you which has this like really beautiful ghostly quality with these really like straightforward earnest lyrics um obviously that leads into vegetable then which is like you know one of my favorite songs of 2020 uh there's another track on it that I wanted to talk about but I can't remember I will look that up while you tell me what you thought of the album I'm just remembering first listen. I called the album Flatter earlier on but not Flatter it's you flatter. did <laughs> apologies for that um uh, thank you for that illuminating uh, commentary because it's more illuminating than anything I could give because um, I have <laughs> very little interest in this, to be honest. Um, and it's not really, it's it, there's a couple of different reasons. Um, the kind of 90s garage rock thing is something I'm just not interested in anymore. And uh, vocally, it just doesn't do it for me. It's that kind of, I know when you say Elliot Smith, I get that, but also this is different kind of music to me than Elliot Smith. So I don't really feel the same about it. Um, so ultimately, I I have very little interest in happiness, but also I only got to listen to it once uh, as well this week. And that's uh, the full like absolutely I I can't I can't really say any more than that so that's why I'm giving you that's the floor because I, I really don't have it's a first impressions a yeah 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 I guess I mean I I've always found them really charming I've always found their sort of I I love how they wear their influences on their sleeve like they're not afraid to sing exactly like Elliot Smith or you know, the inspiration that they take from the likes of Pavement or Wilco or Yola Tango. I, I, I just, these, these are all artists that I really love. And so when another artist is just like, hey, I want to sound just like these guys. I'm like, yeah, that, I mean, that's as, that's as good a reason to make music as any. Um, For like the first two albums, which I really, really liked. I, I thought both of them were really, really strong. Um, but then for this one, I think I just I just love it so much because it's so nice to have followed a band from from when they were, you know, quite, quite small. They were like starting out and they were just starting to get buzz on like blogs and stuff. And now they're this kind of like, you know, they've really grown into their own in terms of their sound and in terms of who they are as people as well. And um, and still sounding so confident and so kind of forthright with what their message is um and I don't know if there's a lot of you know I don't know I, I don't think there's a lot of bands who have a message as strong or as vital as happiness does um in kind of modern indie guitar music um that's obviously a big sweeping statement and people can at me and be like what about this band and what about this band you know I, I just mean that like the the community and you know it, it it doesn't exactly allow for certain kinds of outsiders in it so I think it's it's really cool that they're you know paving away here okay very good that is a uh, happiness the album is called floater um, and you mentioned vegetable there so we'll play a little bit of the song vegetable from happiness I don't overreact 
Okay, that's our album of the week. Uh, Happiness uh, album is called Floater, not Flatter, as I said earlier. Um, okay, we are nearly done on the podcast this week. We're clocking in pretty, pretty long, but that's okay because we weren't around last week. So you're getting more for your book. Um, any any other business this week, Andrea? What's been consuming you in terms of media? Um, okay, so let me let me see now. Uh, yes, okay. Um, before we get to the big one, I will say. Um, my sad girl summer playlist, which has been a bit of a hit. Um, if you're listening and you don't follow me on social media, I made a sad girl summer playlist. Um, and you do not have to be a girl to have a sad girl summer. Um, and it, I will get it up here and I'll tell you what kind of music is on it. Uh, it's all ladies and they all play guitars. Uh, so it's likes the soccer mommy, Julia Jacqueline, Phoebe Bridgers, uh, Big Thief, Julian Baker, Snail Mail, Miski, uh, Angel Olsen, Claro, etc., etc. Uh, I've been told that it's very relaxing um, and that it's nice to have on in the background while you're doing stuff. So check out my Sad Girl Summer playlist. It's on my Spotify. Uh, I will be making a Sad Boy Summer for all you boys <laughs> out there. Um so, and again, you don't have to be a boy to have a sad boy summer. Um, it will probably be 18 uh, Sufjan Stevens Christmas songs in a row. So don't at me if it is. No, um, not for summer, we'll not for summer. <laughs> it's, the, it's the saddest you can be is listening to a Christmas song in the middle of the summer. Um, so yeah, I've, I've just, you know, been listening to my own playlist this week. Um, and what else have I been doing? Um yeah, my dear friend, uh, Carlo Maliocco, uh, introduced me to a band today called The Weaker Thans, which is such a me and Carlo band name. I can't even <laughs> explain it. Um, and their 2007 album Reunion Tour. Really, really, really digging it today. I was like cheating on happiness today uh, listening to it and just like just very cool guitar driven um but very sweet uh, album, 100%. If, if you like is happiness, you like yeah. the... Sorry? Is it an ironic album title? Um, uh, There's a song on it called Reunion Tour. Um, so I, I don't know. I've, I've, I like know nothing about the band uh, at all. Just, I just listened to this album. Um, but if you like the type of music that I tend to talk to, to talk about on this podcast, then you will probably like this. Um, so yeah, check out that album. Um, the Weaker Than's um, reunion tour came out in 2007. Um, I've been reading uh, a book called Adults by Emma Jane Unsworth. Um, very interesting funny witty um contemporary fiction um it had a line in it which i will read to you now uh which made me feel extremely seen uh this this was the point in the book where i was like yeah okay you have oh me. i saw this yeah um yeah, yeah. yeah the, so it, it closes out a chapter and uh the passage is as i lie waiting to fall asleep i listen to father john misty's i love you honey bear i wonder whether i will ever love anyone like that like i love father john misty i mean i wonder if he's still with his wife and i was like <laughs> i'm in you got me i'm totally in but yeah very funny very witty um one of those books where you know not a whole lot happens but you know you you get to know these really interesting characters and um 
very entertaining and then obviously i've been watching normal people so okay maybe... we'll get to we'll get to that we'll yeah, get to, that. We'll, we'll get to say, normal people at the end yeah i have been listening to a lot of older music so uh, i listened to albums like breeders last splash uh all of mac DeMarco's uh back catalog i've listened to uncle science fiction as well and all of their back catalog that's and everything everything the live album from underworld and some of their previous albums this week so that's where i've been at and also been listening to one of my favorite albums of all time the beastie boys ill communication because the i did didn't get a chance to talk about it last week because we weren't here but uh the beastie boys documentary a beastie boys story which is essentially um the uh, film version by spike jones directed by spike jones of their live kind of q a ted talk styles stage show very sweet definitely one for the fans um really nice to see i i went to the actual talk in london uh last december um december 2018 so i think yes so um it was kind of a nostalgic so not last to, december <laughs> as in december yeah yeah 2018. <laughs> it was it's been a weird it's been a year um but uh yeah it's just yeah it's be it was just a really nice like the whole thing is uh, like like the beastie boys book itself a nostalgic retelling of their career to date um with ad rock and um mike d talking about the passing of their friend mca and kind of enigma what he was and how he just knew all these things that like no one else knew how to like splice and make tape loops out of nothing and all those kind of things and just a crazy time in music that was rarely replicated or, or rarely able to be replicated because of the times that they uh, grew up in and, and how they basically changed from the brats that were unlicensed to ill to these kind of woke men and uh, cool, weird, you know, funny individuals that they remained throughout the whole time. All, obviously addressing some of that stuff about, uh, you know, being mean to like Kate Schellenbach of who went on to play Luscious Jackson, who was one of the first band members of the Beastie Boys. Um, it's a very sweet thing. Um, I think it's definitely one for fans more than anything else. I'd be interested is I haven't talked to anyone who's watched it who isn't a fan, but I'd love for someone like that to watch it and just tell me what they think. Um, because I don't know if it translates if you don't know the band at all. But uh, yeah, just they're like they're one of my favorite bands, so definitely a great reminder of uh, their talent and their career, and uh, a tribute to MCA really because it was his uh, his passing was just this week earlier this week um, it was the anniversary of it so uh, one of those things that happened yeah so I've been listening to Ill Communication because of that one of their my favorite albums as well have you seen the film no. No, I was going to say I'll watch it because uh, I, I love the Beastie Boys, but I'm not like a super fan. I wouldn't I wouldn't know like all the deep cuts or anything. So I'll give yeah. it a watch and I'll report back to you next week. How yeah, across. I'd be interested like to know a, what you think. As of a casual it, yeah. fan, you know. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the other thing obviously that's been going blowing up uh, in, in Ireland and beyond is uh, normal people. Um, so I finished the book the same week. <laughs> That I started watching the <laughs> TV job. show. Uh, so I managed to do Did it. Did you like finally. the book? Uh, I really enjoyed the book, yeah. Although, yeah. you know, I think the characters, I think I probably prefer conversation with friends overall um, mm. because the characters um, may be a bit more interesting to me. But then again, there are some problems with the characters in both books. Um, 
yeah it's kind of maddening <laughs> yeah it's kind of maddening the the Connell Marianne like dynamic as a relationship is maddening to me because I just can't imagine the level of we're talking about ill communication by the Beastie Boys the level of ill communication between these two is insane the fact that they just can't talk to each other in any normal way over this, this prolonged period of times is so frustrating but do you yeah. think I but mean, so realistic you, at the same time I think like it's, there's definitely aspects think, of it yeah I think we all know realistic. a Connell and we all know a Marianne uh some of us are a Marianne um and it's yeah, like the I yeah I I loved the book. I was you know uh, won't talk too much about like endings or anything like that because people might be just watching on um on RTE. But like I loved the ending. I just I just thought the the whole thing was just such a beautiful study of like first love and communication and like you you hope that those two characters then go on into their lives and and learn how to speak to other humans because they are so young and they're so wrapped up in each other and um but the tv show um i've watched all of it um you've watched all of it also okay right um Spoiler warning, or will we try and keep it? Well, we'll try and oh, keep it relatively sp- spoiler free. We're we're an hour and huh? thirty four minutes or so in. I think we can do spoiler Fuck. warnings at this point. All right, yeah, right. Yeah, if you're still here, if 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 you haven't seen Normal People, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We'll see you next week. Do you Love know what we should have done? We should have done a Patreon only special just about normal people. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to split it out and just talk about normal people now? <laughs> she's holding I up mean, her hands to say yes yes i want to do it <laughs> no right let's do, blah, 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 blah. okay let's talk about it um, we'll that i loved it i loved it with every fiber of my being i thought it was just so beautiful i've never seen ireland look so good it's like it's like you you take the things that you usually see on RT and TG Car and you take a really expensive BBC lens and like you film it through like a really good camera um yeah, I just thought I just thought it was so beautiful. It was so lovely to see what I consider to be my Ireland and my Dublin be represented, which I don't think I ever really have on on certainly RTE, you know, I think or or RTE wouldn't have taken the risks that that this has taken. Um I did listen live to the Joe Duffy special. Did you listen that day? Oh, it was so good. It was so good. It was a fucking so my, nightmare. So my Tommy. friend my friend Chelsea is the script editor of of this TV show. So she has been wow. writing me to all of this stuff that's been happening. Um so obviously that's why I'm interested in the show as well and what the reaction but Jesus Christ, that was insane. Shout out I to her. She did a fantastic job. Yeah, she did. I haven't been so into live lines since oh so many years i can't remember like i've never listened to live line before like i've only ever really like encountered live line through parody like i've never actually listened to a full episode before and i know we're kind of moving on to talking about live, live line here but like you know the the, the response to things like the, the right the sex in the show is like it's pretty sexy stuff 
Um, and, you know, obviously they're eight, like in the first couple of episodes, um, RTE aired episode one and episode two in the same night. There's like a lot of sex in those episodes and they're playing 17 year olds. and That's fine. But like people couldn't believe there was one woman who rang in and she was like, like beyond Tommy, who was just, you know, asking everybody, and are you a Catholic? Are you a Catholic? But there was one woman who rang in and she was like, it's just so unrealistic. People jumping into bed with each other. And, you know, 17 year olds driving driving give me a break 17 year olds in the pub give me a break i was like she has to be messing like she has yeah. to and joe joe has to be like yeah people you get your license at 17 here like do you have you seen are you messing yeah. like are you, are you actually messing here um but look beyond all that like i just i i've it's i think one of the best adaptations of a book i've ever seen so beautiful so tender and delicate um trinity looks unreal her gaff and waterloo road oh my god like just like oh i could never um and cunnel your man who played cunnel is just such a star like they were both brilliant in it and it's worth mentioning like yeah daisy edgar jones is actually you know she's not irish um but her no nails her i didn't know that nailed it but you know who my favourite was? Was Niall, your man who played Niall. Oh, yeah, Big yeah. Big into him. The Northern Irish housemate. I'm team Niall yeah. out of, like, he, everything. He's just... He was the only boy. one that was any crack, had any crack. The yeah. Whole time. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. He was brilliant. Yeah, and I thought, you yeah. know, the, the episode where they're in Italy was so beautiful. There was a lot of parallels with Call Me By Your Name that somebody pointed yeah, out on Twitter. I saw those I tweets, I definitely yeah. noticed that as well. And um, how Centra was the third was the third character, like uh, New York is the fifth yeah. character in Sex and the City, all kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I didn't <laughs> see that, but that's so true. Yeah, yeah, like they're just you know pulling into a garage and stuff, and I'm like, yeah, this is this is Ireland. This is what we do in Ireland. This is what it looks like. This is what people look like here. Like we're not we're. I don't know. We're I've just never I've just never seen us look so good, and I'm so proud. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. It was a really good show. Um, I did watch it all in three or four days, I think, in the end. Um, uh, very good. Um, I did a lot of Irish music in it as well, which is great to see. A lot Fantastic of Irish music soundtrack. Um, yeah. We did a put up a playlist last week. There's so much in there. There's all sorts from JLOL to Mount Alaska to The Lock-In, which is like a, a, a very like brief uh, David Kitt and uh, like associated electronic uh, projects. So there's loads of things in there that you would have never expected. Great to see um, mm. the the one. Yeah, Connell himself as a character is maddening. Um, Sarah Green is great as his mother. Um, what I don't she's really get. The only, what I don't really get between the yeah, she's brilliant. What I don't really get between the the, the TV show and the book is uh, why she's so vehemently hated by her parents or probably her mother and uh i know there's a lot there about abuse and stuff like that and but you mm. know it's just like everyone's so mean to her the whole time it's yeah like, it seems a bit it, it's it takes a long time for that to be unraveled and explained a bit more and i would have liked a bit yeah. that maybe a bit earlier just because it's just like why is everyone being so fucking mean to her um and then yeah. connell he he never made a decision himself until the very end of the show, pretty much. Like, he yeah. he never makes a single decision for himself at all. Everyone else makes a decision yeah. for him. When he's when he's asked oh. to submit something, he's asked to submit it. When his mother invites 
herself home and all this kind of stuff. He never makes a single decision. He's such an Irish man. Like, never makes but a decision like, for himself. He, but that's so... Like, I just, I know people like that. And I will say those scenes where he, where both Connell and Marianne, because I did English in, I went to UCD, not Trinity. Um, but like those scenes where there's people, you know, fighting to sound the smartest in your like tutorial groups. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm triggered right now. Like the, literally, exactly. And like, there was lads like Connell, in my class who'd be you know real quiet not really settled in Dublin like have moved from the country kind of just finding it hard to settle in and you know and like they end up being you know great in the class and like he he reminded me so much of like one guy that was in my class um so I kind of you know had had a bit of a graph from him that way but like I just I I I I thought they both but especially Connell's character had so much life brought into him um by that performance I just thought he was like so amazing like any times when I cried it was through Connell's performance you know like it's he's just such a such a tragic character and and somebody who you really just want to fucking shake and just be like will you talk to her will you ask her to the Debs you gobshite the fucking Debs like oh my god I will say yes there was a lot more kind of moving exploration into the character of Connell than there was into Marianne necessarily, I think. Yeah. Um, like you do get more because of his friend and all those kind of things and him and his inner feelings and his, when he, when he has a bad time in the college, there's more exploration yeah. into himself as a person. And sometimes she can come across as a bit of a manic pixie <laughs> dream girl. Um, mm. So I would have liked a bit more of that, but that's not in the book really either. I would like to hear, mm. I w- wanted a bit more of her depth and her character and how she feels um, because of his I, was very strong. I, I think we, I think we got that. I think especially in, in the later episodes when we start exploring her um, sort of getting into new sexual things for all sorts of reasons. I think, I thought that that was so brilliantly done and it wasn't, you know, they didn't write it on the wall for us or anything. I, I, I find Marianne's character and the performance of her character very subtle. Um, I mean, really causes you to think and really causes you to kind of consider. Like, because, well, maybe that's my you know, gender pe- bi- pe- gender bias. There, uh, identifying more with the man than the female. I don't know. Maybe, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's probably yeah, there's probably an element of that with everybody. Like, but I, I definitely saw so much like of me and my peer group and the. The, the, the way that I would speak to women in my life, I definitely saw in, in the way that Marianne kind of doesn't um, doesn't stop things like, um, you know, oh, well, that's a patriarchal construct. And like like pe- people look at the people when the book came out and also now like any criticism of of the tv show that i've seen has been like nobody talks like that yes we fucking do like we we absolutely talk like that we we talk like we're you know rolling off you know feminist theory because like i don't know maybe we want to sound smart or maybe we're actually making the point or maybe we like just learned about it and we feel like we want to tell people like she's playing such a young woman who's just getting to know her feminism and just getting to know her place in the world and 
is just starting to be angry about capitalism and feminism. So obviously you're going to be talking to everybody about it. I mean, I, I was like that in college. I was, you know, have, have you heard about capitalism? You heard about this thing? And it's like, I, I, I thought that, that that was actually really realistic. And, you know, older people who were ringing in live line, and I'm not saying it's because they're aged, but they just primarily tended to be older. Um, maybe just, you know, didn't have that experience and didn't have the privilege of going and getting a liberal arts degree and being able to kind of rattle these things off. But it doesn't make it any less authentic for the kind of millennial experience, you know. Just, I just, just Yeah, to, I just thought it was so beautiful. Just to finish on Me. the uh, the live line thing, did you see the Steve Murray's video? Um, the recreation on uh, Instagram. Uh, Steve Murray is a no. photographer. Uh, he did this brilliant um, kind of. Oh, was this the um, the the uh, the poster, but with the quotes from Liveline on it? No, no, it's um, it's like a um, it's basically like a uh, what you call it, a reconstruction, but just with him of of the Liveline call where the woman is like. Um, is talking about um you know it's like something you see in the porno it's like sure what would you see in the porno sure i don't know <laughs> like, oh sure i don't know <laughs> that was so funny yeah, i will send it on to you uh, do do <laughs> yeah it's, here. Oh, it's uh, Steve, okay steve murray yeah so uh i will send it up but look um i think I don't know if we'll get the same level of uh, discourse about uh normal people but it's been really really good just to have something um that everyone has been able to talk about that is something that, you know, it has united the country or divided them in whatever, whatever. So yeah, brilliant. I just, uh, I, it's, it, it's been great to have that kind of event and we really need those kind of things right now. So um, yeah, brilliant. Um, uh, so normal people, yeah, my friends are still watching. Some of them are still watching it on, or on terrestrial TV as, as most people are. It's also available on Hulu and iPlayer and all that stuff. I wonder why RT didn't have it on the, on the RT player. Um, like I don't know. Uh, BBC did. Because the RT player the doesn't work, Niall. It doesn't work. It's well, broken. And it has been broken yeah. for years for me. That's true. RT. That's true. Well, um, I did try and I did try and watch it on the iPlayer um, originally, but it just kept stalling on me. So I had to give up because it would have yeah. been the end. So uh, I did try and watch it that way. But uh, yeah, look. Um, anyway, sure, look, sure, uh, listen, that's, this it. is it. That's this that's probably it. the podcast now at this stage. <laughs> that's, as Connell would <laughs> say, that's on. it. That's it, I suppose. That's it, I suppose. I that's don't know. It, that's uh, it, I suppose. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Andrea, I'll let you go. It's been lovely to chat to yeah. you again. Um, even a week off. You too. We've, we've been very consistent in this time and uh, having a week off. Now I'm settled back in the house. We will be talking again as normal. Yeah. Um, so thank you. Uh, going to finish with a thank song. Thank you guys from... for listening. Um, you're all the best. And thank you for getting in touch with us and sending us messages and telling us that you're listening because it makes us feel warm and fuzzy. Well, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. It does help to know people are listening and the numbers suggest that. So that's good. But also yeah. nice to hear from people directly. So thanks for that. Um, yeah. yeah, we're going to finish with a song from a couple, three Limerick rappers, Hazy Hayes, Size and MCB, who go under the name Same Difference. Uh, this is a song I heard in the Now That's What I Call PX Music mixtape. If you want a primer to what's happening in Limerick and rap at the moment, you could do worse than listen to this mixtape. Uh, this is a song from Same Difference called RR, aka Real Rappers. Andrea, Cleary, thanks so much. I will talk to you next week. And thank you and good night and goodbye and good morning 
and good evening. Not a bitch rapper, never been a snitch rapper When I fucking with no Twitch rappers That's no bear, living them so scared Too many debts, too many funerals, so hair I said, I'm a real rapper, not a bitch rapper Never been a snitch rapper When I fucking with no Twitch rappers That's no bear, living them so scared Too many debts, too many funerals, so hair One of the first communities in Limerick Shadow boy, a castle where the medieval kingdoms Built on the battlegrounds surrounded in water But the still good and battles on the socket is gone We have a room where you live in mother Glass, so sounds being shattered. Can't find the road to GPS to scatter, but not really doesn't matter. Cause I'm a real rapper, not a bitch rapper. Never been a snitch rapper. When I fucking with no Twix rappers, that's no bad. Living them so scared. Too many debts, too many funerals, so hard. I said, I'm a real rapper, not a bitch rapper. Never been a snitch rapper. When I fucking with no Twix rappers, that's no bad. Living them so scared. Too many debts, too many funerals, so hard. This the place we live, this the place that we grow. This the place to shine, this the place that we glow. I'm a fucking life through the rain and the snow I know a couple mates who leave their brains in the floor And I'm a fucking life, I survived it in the hood And I'm a fucking life, I've been rhyming, yeah I'm good And I'm a fucking life, never frightened, never should, never could be But in the streets they light you up like Woodsy One last time, man, just do it for the gangland One last time, man, just do it for the madman One last time, man, you do it for the gangland What's that sound, yeah, we still make the streets bang Cause I'm a real rapper I'm a real rapper I'm a real rapper. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.